guys. Thanks for watching I-80 Sports, and today we are talking playoff hockey. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. I'm Brian, joined today by Tom. So today we are going to be talking playoff hockey, this qualifying round, as well as the round robin. So to review for today, just to start off with, a quick review in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. Eastern Conference, Montreal is currently tied 1-1 one one in the series with Pittsburgh. Columbus is tied 1-1 one one with Toronto. New York Islanders are up 2-1 on Florida. And the New York Rangers have officially been eliminated in a three-game sweep by Carolina. And for me, I would say, yes, exactly. That is a candlelight <laughs> for Tom, and that's going to be this Friday for Tom. Um, and just a quick review also in the Western Conference. Uh, Minnesota is currently tied 1-1 to with Vancouver. Chicago is currently tied 1-1 to with Edmonton. Arizona, as of right now, as of this minute, five minutes from now, it's not going to be the case. Arizona is currently tied one to one with Nashville, and Calgary is tied one to one with Winnipeg. Ties all around, <laughs> except for my favorite team, of course. You know they, yeah. they they had to they had to spoil the party. Unfortunately, and like I said, we're holding the candlelight vigil for Tom tonight for that. But you know, I gotta say, it was a hard fought series, no matter what. Do you have any words on uh, the eliminated Rangers, Tom? You know what? I mean, there's some people out there, some Ranger fans who are upset. They're crying wolf, fire Quinn, trade this guy, trade that guy. You got to under people need to understand here that this is a very, very, very young team. You know, and I, I as I had mentioned previously last week, that the depth, the depth wasn't there. I mean, you got past that second line that those third and fourth lines just didn't have the legs to compete with Carolina's third and fourth lines. You know, it also so happened people seem to forget. Oh, we swept them in the regular season. Well, great, wonderful. You swept them in the regular season. The playoffs are a different animal, and I mean, I'm a diehard Ranger fan myself. If you, some of you's watching, I don't know if you remember way, way back about nine years ago, 2011. I remember against DC. I mean, we pretty much owned the Caps in a regular season that year. What happened in the playoffs? We bowed out in five games. They're a young team. I'm not upset. They got a little taste of playoff experience. I mean, I it would have been nice. I mean, they didn't look as well conditioned as all the other teams have. The conditioning and what happened in training camp, maybe that needs to be addressed a little bit. But at the same time, David Quinn is a rookie coach. He's never coached in the playoffs before. Brenda Moore coached the Canes all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. You know, it was it was, and everyone said you didn't get this, you didn't get that. You know, Zabanajad had a goal and a helper. Panarin had a goal and a helper. My headphone fell out, you know, because I'm so animated over this. Um, just you know, Fire so had a nice goal last night. And you know, if there's any positives to take out of this, you know. People can get on Lundqvist. It's not Lundqvist's fault. It's not Igor's fault. The whole team played bad in front of those guys. You know, they were, you know, uh, so many times on Saturday, so many times on Monday, they're leaving one side of the ice wide open for Svechnikov for Ajo to walk right in. You know, it's not the goalie's fault. They, they just didn't play well. And Carolina had a system. Carolina was trapping them, had a defensive system to keep them from scoring goals. Carolina knew their strength during the season was to get the puck to Zabanajan, get the puck to Panarin. Let them do their thing and blast one home. If there was one bright spot for the Rangers in that series, it was to play at Capo Caco. A lot of people this year, and listen, i he's only a rookie. He's only 18. I mean, I thought he would have done a little bit more, but I wasn't screaming, send this kid to Hartford. He's not ready. Send them back home to Finland. He's not ready. Oh, he's not tough enough to play in this league. No. You know, it happens. If every if that happened with every single guy, then Steven Stamkos wouldn't even be playing for Tampa Bay Lightning anymore. I remember they were crying wolf about him his first season down in Tampa. 
And, you know, he came back the next year in Dazzle. You know, I saw a lot of good from Kako in those two games. He was, I mean, he was, you didn't notice him as much last night, but those first two games, he was the best Rangers player on the ice by far either game. There's a lot to look forward to. They need to do a little bit of work in the draft this year, you know. We'll know ultimately what's going to happen with that on Monday after the second draft lottery. But, I mean, as a Ranger fan, yeah, it's upsetting that they got swept, but it's not shocking. Yeah, and to kind of hop on that Capo Caco uh, train real quick, so many people are so quick, especially when a kid is so young. I mean, I see it with Jack Hughes. I'm a diehard Devils fan. And people see, like, they have this hype and expectation for production. When it doesn't happen, you're just like, oh, what's wrong with him? He must be a bust. I mean, he's got to be a bust. Oh, my God, biggest draft bust. Let's put him at the top of the board. Biggest draft bust. But it's not the case. You have to let these kids develop. I mean, Joe Thornton, you know, Jumbo Joe Thornton, who is a bona fide Hall of Famer in everybody's eyes. You know how many points he had his rookie season? He had under 10 in 82 games played, under 10 points. And he's finishing his career with over, I think, 1,400 points. People are late bloomers. It's not time to, you know, you know, ship them off to see whatever the case may be. You've just got to be patient with these guys. And it's right. And you know what? With the Rangers, this is a good taste of playoff hockey for them. They just encountered a really good and seasoned Carolina Hurricane team that was more prepared for, than they were going into this. And you know what? Rangers have nothing to hang their heads on. They're going to go into next year even more tooled up and ready to go. And who knows? Maybe they'll have a legitimate berth for the playoffs and maybe they could go even farther. You have a heart nomination for Artemi Panarin and all positive things, you know, nothing to hang your head on. Um, but one matchup I did want to highlight uh, that's currently going on right now is the Islanders in Florida. And what was funny was going into today, I was ready to talk about how Florida really needs to change things up and they're a much better team than this. And I come in from cleaning, cleaning my yard uh, from the storm. And by the way, I hope everybody from the storm that happened, I hope everybody's safe, hope everybody's sound, and that power has been restored to you guys. But um, Panthers found a way to find the back of the net today, which was really, really interesting because beforehand they were having a lot of trouble. They kept shooting themselves in the foot at any chance they got. Now, just because they won 3-2 to two today, and now the, the series is at 2-1, to one, they're still on the brink of elimination, so they still need to keep this momentum up. The Islanders have a good defensive team. They've been consistently finding the back of the net, and they have one of the better blocking defensemen in the league, especially now that they added Andy Green. So the Panthers need to utilize their top scorers in Matt Hoffman, Alexander Barkov, Jonathan Huberto. These are guys that are very familiar finding the back of the net, and these guys need to be utilized going forward. Aaron Ekblad and Keith Yandel need to step up on D as well. And Sergei Bobrovsky needs to look like the Vezina winner that he used to be. He needs to step it up a little bit more, and we'll see what happens. Anything can happen in this series, and who knows, Florida might be the next team that we talk about that has been eliminated. Now, moving on to the Western Conference, Tom, do you have any uh, notes so far for the Western Conference in terms of what you've seen so far? Okay, well, one that I want to delve delve back into first is a prediction I had made last week with this Edmonton and Chicago series. I said to myself, I said to everybody that's watching, all of our loyal fans out there, however many of, however many that there are, hopefully, hopefully tons. Um, I said that this series was going to be a throwback to 1980s fire wagon offensive hockey. It definitely has been. It definitely has been. 
Game one was sort of a turn back the clock night. It was almost like you went back in time to 10 years ago. You grabbed the Jonathan Taves who won the Conn Smythe for the 2010 Stanley Cup winning Chicago Blackhawks, and he took over that game and said to Connor McDavid, hey, not so fast. You know, I can still play the game a little bit here, and I got three cups, and you don't have any yet. And, I mean, and he took over that game. A lot of people were hot. We're saying McDavid versus Kane, McDavid versus Kane. Kane's sort of been – I mean, he had a goal in game two. Kane's sort of been quiet this series. And there are some people out there who do write off Jonathan Taves. What people don't seem to realize is that Jonathan Taves, over the past few seasons when Chicago has been trending downward, has actually been having some of his better statistical years. So he went out there, and, you know, Chicago went up 6-2. to two. I went to go I – was, I was given a last-minute invite to go play a little hockey that day, so I didn't see the third period. But then I heard that Edmonton potted two more. So I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, well, maybe maybe this is the last gap for this is Chicago. Maybe these kids and the old guard from those cup winning years are going to teach Edmonton a little bit of a lesson here. Well, in game two, somebody woke up to sleep in Giant because McDavid went off in game two. That second goal he scored was a thing of beauty. I mean, he's he showed on that second goal why he should be considered the best player in the world right now. He came down, grabbed that puck, flew down the ice, and potted that goal. It was it was it was beautiful. One of the best goals I've ever seen. Absolutely. And he is always going to be a scoring threat. And even in that series, I was surprised in that game too, how quiet Leon Dreisaitl was. I mean, it was kind of jarring to me to see that he really didn't factor as much. I guess it was more so the defense was more so focused on Leon Dreisaitl than they were Connor McDavid and it bit them in the butt that time around, for sure. Now, going back to one of my predictions from last week, I predicted uh, the Minnesota and Vancouver matchup. And right now it's tied one-to-one, but there was one note that I made in that prediction, and it's holding true right now. Don't sleep on Kevin Fiala. Kevin Fiala has been fantastic in this series. He has three goals so far. Eric Stahl's been helping him out the entire way. He's got four points in two games. Minnesota has done a really good job and Vancouver is matching them as well. This is a fun series to watch. I'm still going to maintain my prediction, Minnesota in four, so we'll see if that prediction holds true, but with how they're matching up right now, I might need to push it to five games. Do you see any other uh, games on the docket that you could see that could push the five games, Tom? Well, there's one pattern I'm noticing here, and it's with this Arizona and Nashville series. It's funny because you, you I watched the first game on Sunday, and Arizona had won the game, and they were up for most of the game. But then, you know, Nashville potted a couple goals at the end of the game, and the momentum was Nashville's. So that momentum carried into yesterday. And yesterday, Nashville dominated most of that game, won it, but then Arizona potted a couple goals towards the end to get the momentum back their way. Now today, obviously, I thought that maybe the same thing would happen today. It obviously hasn't. I actually have the game on TV right now. I'm just glancing over towards the screen. Arizona did win 4-1 to today. But this game four is going to be real interesting because it's very it's it's been like a, a up and down kind of a roller coaster kind of series. And this game, I'm really interested to see what happens in game four here. And I'm really thinking that Nashville will win this game four. We'll see a game five. And when I was glossing over all the series beforehand, I was like, you know what? This might be the one series that, you know, it's going to be kind of like this is the one everyone's going to forget about. It's just, you know, you know, Nashville, not, they're both good teams, but they don't have that star power. They're not considered cup contenders. They're just. They're just sort of there. They're those two. It's like every year, maybe, you know, back when they had the uh, old one versus eight form, it's like, okay, this is your token three versus six or your four versus five series. This is your token kind of like middle of the road series. But, you know, it, it, it's turning out a lot of entertaining games. I will say that. I'll definitely say that. 
Absolutely. I mean, I've been watching the Arizona and Nashville series as well, and it has been a seesaw of a matchup. And that being said, I mean, hopefully Darcy Kemper shows up tomorrow so that way they can try to close this out. But with the way the series has been going, who knows? It could be Saros's day. It could be Kemper's day. We'll see. If it goes to game five, that's definitely going to be a matchup to watch. Now, before we wrap up with the recaps, I did want to uh, mention one unfortunate, scary moment uh, that happened in yesterday's game in Toronto. Defenseman Jake Muzzin crashed headfirst into the leg of Columbus Blue Jackets forward Oliver Bjorkstrand after a cross-check by Pierre-Luc Dubois. He laid motionless for a little while, but he was alert uh, and has been alert. It's a good update that we can share is that he's alert in the hospital. He has uh, movement in all of his extremities. All of us here at IED Sports uh, wish Jake Muzzin a speedy and swift recovery because that was a very, I know speaking on my behalf it was definitely a scary moment to watch yeah it definitely was and I was actually going to delve into this before I remember I had said last week about the series that Toronto stars need to show up now in the first game they didn't show up yesterday Matthews and Tavares did show up and they had the momentum but when Muzzin met, went down I mean I hate to say it, it was sort of momentum killer. they still did win the game but now you got to wonder because Muslin's a big part of uh, Muslin's a big part of their six defensive six defenseman. You know, Toronto's not really a defensive team, and losing him for a while might be a problem. I mean, you know, they said he was fine in the hospital, and you never know. Maybe he, there's a miracle and he's back. I mean, I don't think he'll be back for Game Three, but maybe later on in the series he will. But you never know. But I mean, that could be either a huge momentum booster for Toronto or a huge or a huge loss for them. It really depends on how they look at it and how they play. And like I said, they do need their stars to show up. They showed up yesterday, but Columbus may take note of it now and say, okay, you know, they showed up yesterday, but now we, we need to neutralize them again. So in that series, too, I said, yeah, uh, you know, it's really undecided right now. You know, you had like a Jekyll and Hyde first two games. The first game, Columbus with their team game dominated. And then yesterday, Toronto with their two big individuals, Matthews and Tavares dominated. So that's going to be that's going to be another interesting one to watch down the line. I will say that. Absolutely. And like I said, all the best for Jake Muzzin. It is a blow to Toronto, but hopefully Toronto can rebound from this. They've got a young defensive core, but you know, health and safety comes first before sports always, period. Now, going into the last bit of this, let's talk about predictions. What, what can we expect for the end of the qualifiers and then also the final seeding round for the round robin for the top four in each division. So let's start with you, Tom. What are your predictions of these final games? Who do you predict is going to come out on top on the series that we have remaining? Okay, that's a good question. I actually would like to start with the round robin first, if that's not a problem. Um, that's totally fine. You know, what I'm seeing out of this round robin, I had wanted to mention last week, and I had just totally forgotten about it, is how well prepared Tampa Bay has been for these games. They destroyed Florida in their first game. They had a little bit of a shootout. They had a little bit of a back and forth with the Cavs who found a way to win. I'm watching them play the Bruins right now. They're up 2-0. And uh, to add to, um, I guess to add to what I'm going for here is I'm surprised that Boston has been as bad as they've been. You know, Philadelphia pretty much dominated them Sunday. And now Tampa's up 2-0 on them. Now, I know they're an older team. But, you know, if they do fall into that fourth spot in that round robin, they're risking them. They're risking having a tougher matchup. That could go a lot longer. The last thing an older team like Boston needs is to be getting pushed to seven games in the first round of the playoffs. You know, they're not spring chickens anymore. A lot of these guys, a lot of these guys are older, and it may be this group's last chance. On the flip side, you all, you have Tampa, who two years ago everyone thought would win lost to Washington. Last year, knocked out in the first round by Tampa. I mean, not by Tampa, by Columbus. What am I saying? Um, 
And the thing with them is, is that I've, it's, it's a noticeable trend I've seen. It happened with a few teams years past. You know, it happened in the 90s with Detroit where everyone wrote them off after blowing it to the Devils in Colorado and then coming back and winning. And I just think Tampa has that, has that you know, swagger. So they have that snarl. They know what they need to do, and they're showing it right now in the round robin. Now, that obviously could change in a best-of-seven series, but I really like what I'm seeing out of them so far. As for the rest of the East, you had mentioned the Islanders before. And granted, the Islanders had a 2-0 lead on that series, but losing today, that that may be awakened, that may awake some confidence in the Florida Panthers. You know, it's not a best of seven. Now Florida knows if they come in and they win this next game, that now they have all the momentum. The pressure is on the Islanders, and they could knock them out. So it's def that's definitely another thing I, w I would want I would I would like to watch. And you know, you may see something out of the other one, Pittsburgh and Montreal. Uh, who knows with that? I, you know, it's it. That one was hard to peg. You know, Pittsburgh got back in. You know, Montreal, Montreal beat them in overtime, but then Pittsburgh had themselves a nice game the other night. You know, uh, Montreal's been a little bit of their kryptonite, but I that one I, you know, I can't even tell. It really, it's really going to depend on what happens in Game Three. Of course, being Cole, you know, can use a veteran status and lock down Game Three. But then again, you also carry Price down there in net if he can steal a game. Because these five games are going to be interesting. It's not a seven-game series. A little more urgency, and it's a little more of a psychological, a little more. A little more thinking when you're in a five-game series, whereas, you know, if you lose game three, okay, well, now if I lose the next game, I might be in more trouble than I want to be. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I completely agree with you in your sentiment about Tampa Bay because they far and away have come into this uh, playoff very well prepared and ready to play really strong hockey. The other team in the Eastern Conference in this round, Robin, that has looked very strong Obviously, another team that has beaten the Boston Bruins, the Philadelphia Flyers, which great news for them today. It's looking like Oscar Lindblom, who was diagnosed with leukemia earlier this year, is ready to return for them. So we might actually get to see him take the ice for them this playoff, which would be a huge contribution for the Philadelphia Flyers for an already explosive lineup. So it's impressive for me to see Tampa Bay looking strong and Philadelphia looking strong as well. These are two teams that you could see going one and two in the seeding for uh, the beginning of the playoffs. And absolutely, if Boston drops down to four, let's say hypothetically in that Montreal and Pittsburgh series, that's tough to nail down. My prediction right now, I could very well see Pittsburgh move on in this round. It's probably going to go down to five games, but I could very easily see Pittsburgh moving on. And guess what? Pittsburgh would have to see Boston at that point because they'd be the number five seed. So a lot can happen. And I'm sure there's still some players. I mean, they don't have a lot of guys left in 2013, but I'm sure Crosby and Malkin still have fresh in their mind in 2013 when they were the darlings of the Eastern Conference and Boston wiped the floor with them. And a lot of those guys are still there from 2013 in Boston. And they may still have that series fresh in their head because I remember – I remember everyone said we were on a crash course for a Pittsburgh-Chicago Cup final that year, and Boston said, hold on, not so fast, and they just, they just destroyed Pittsburgh. They destroyed them in every way possible. Yeah, it's tough for Boston right now because, you know, if they end up number three or four, based on my predictions, I also have Toronto moving on, and I also have the Islanders moving on. It's going to be tough when you're looking down at that bottom four it's a strong five through eight in the Eastern Conference. These aren't teams that are just going to give you wins. These are really strong teams that have been looking strong so far in these qualifiers. So Boston, you know, trending downward right now is definitely not helping them. and They need to figure out their game quick. They've been without Tuka Rask, which has definitely been a, a, a huge factor for them. But they also need to put 
goals in the back of the net. They need to put these pucks in the back of the net badly, mm-hmm. which is something that they haven't done. So we'll see what happens in the Eastern Conference. I have it. I mean, for me, for my early predictions, I say that Tampa Bay is going to get the number one seeding with Pittsburgh beating out Montreal, Toronto beating out Columbus, and the Islanders upending Florida. And obviously, we can't predict the Rangers Carolina matchup because, well, it's already been decided. Sorry, but. And so, I want one thing to add, too, is that those three teams you had brought up, Carolina, Toronto, and Pittsburgh, are all teams that the Boston Bruins have eliminated in the past few years. Well, Pittsburgh was a few years. It was uh, seven years ago. Yeah. But remember, they eliminated Toronto two of the, two of the last three years, and they swept they swept right through Carolina in the Eastern Conference Final last year. Don't think those two teams have forgotten about Boston. Because, no. I mean, especially if Boston comes in struggling, comes in on a downward trend, they're going to want to jump right on them if it indeed does happen. We still have a couple more games left to play. There's still a lot left to be decided, so who knows? Yeah, and it's very, very true. So now predictions for the Western Conference. Who do you have getting the top seed in the Western Conference right now based on the games we've seen? Well, I'm still going to stick with my initial prediction of the Colorado Avalanche. They did. I mean, did they dominate St. Louis the other day? No, but I mean, those were arguably the two best teams in the West. It was a hard-fought game. They won on that Kadri goal with literally like a tenth of a second left. I'm still going with Colorado. I watched Dallas and um, uh, Vegas the other night. That was an old-school fire wagon kind of hockey game, too. That was back and forth. I remember I had even turned it off. I had even turned it off to watch Montreal and Pittsburgh. And then when I saw the score on the ticker, I said, I said are you kidding me? I said, how is Vegas up 4-3? Dallas was up 3-1. to one. But I just think the way those two teams play – you know, they play a little bit more of an offensive game. I can just see them finishing three and four in no particular order. I just think that Colorado and St. Louis play a little bit of a better all-around game. And I could see, but since Colorado has beaten St. Louis already, I could see Colorado and St. Louis at one and two. And then at three and four, you know, give or take Dallas or Vegas. I mean, you know, you know, you pick one over the other. I don't know. Maybe Dallas just because they got a little bit more offensive talent. But, you know, you can give or take those two teams. Yeah, it's very true. I had the prediction last week of Vegas as your number one seed. And as much as I want to stick with that, I think I do have to agree that I could very easily see the Colorado Avalanche getting the number one seeding. They're a team that just looks very strong right now. They're fast. They're dominant. McKinnon, I mean, just watching him play in this playoff, as impressive as McDavid has been, I think Nathan McKinnon has been more impressive. And that's Without no it. dig. That's no dig on Connor McDavid. It's just been how impressive he's been and just being in every play. And it is funny because a lot of people talk about McDavid versus Eichel, McDavid versus Matthews. People seem to forget McKinnon. People seem to forget that the Avalanche and the Oilers are in the same conference. And you know, if that does if that does happen to happen this year in a playoff series or it happens to happen in the next couple of years, that's gonna be a hell of a series, McDavid versus McKinnon. And what people have to also realize, too, if we have any Canadians watching, I don't know, that your team in the Olympics, obviously, you're still going to have Crosby in the next one. But the following one, and it's been confirmed the pros are playing, those are your top two centers right there, McDavid and McKinnon. I mean, and that's going to be a rivalry that may, that's going to be a matchup that maybe isn't talked about now, but maybe one in the future that everyone's going to want to keep their eye on. Because, I mean, I really do think that if you do see a Colorado Edmonton playoff series, whether it's now, whether it's next year, whether it's three years from now, It'll be a lot of fun to see McKinnon and McDavid lining up against each other in some in a meaningful seven-game series. Yeah, it's not only going to be fun to watch them line up against each other in a playoff series or you know even a conference final series, 
but it might also be fun to watch them, you know, ripping it up for Team Canada, you know, much to the chagrin of Team USA. But we don't even have a chance for I, I I was talking to somebody about it the other day. The next Olympics, I mean, that's, they should they should make Canada just you know just have like make Canada only play for the gold medal and not let them play any other games because it's just not fair. They're gonna run over everybody. Yeah, we'll get a participation trophy. <laughs> now, predictions for the last bit of the qualifiers for the Western Conference. Uh, who do you got going on five through eight? Well, like I said, I know you were picking Minnesota in that Vancouver series, and my prediction, I know I didn't delve into it. I thought Vancouver was going to have a much easier time with them. I do think that Vancouver is going to pull it out in the end. There's just a there's just a lot with Minnesota that I just I, I mean, you look at that team on paper, you you have a lot of you have a lot of good players, but a lot of those guys were good players a couple of years ago. Zuccarello, Stahl, Parise, you know, I think I I think Koi Vusa, it's just you look at that team on paper, and it looks like a good team, but it's just Vancouver is young and hungry. And like I alluded to before, everyone being on Edmonton and Colorado's bandwagon in the West in a few years, Vancouver's going to be right up there with them. I do think I do think that Vancouver's ultimately going to take that series. I just think that, you know, they, they have the younger legs. And I know Minnesota, I know Minnesota's got the veterans, but I just I just don't see them beating Vancouver. Um, another one that's been on my mind, I thought – that that Calgary series with Winnipeg winning game two might start looking a little interesting, but I, I, after yesterday, I think this is, I think Calgary's got this in the bag. This is their series to lose. They knock Shifley out. They knock Lionei out. They play a little bit of a heavy game up front with, uh, with Matthew Kachuk up there, you know, plays like his father did a little bit, but um, uh, I have a hard time seeing Winnipeg beating Calgary as well. And then, like I mentioned, the roller coach with Nashville and Arizona, that one's going to be hard to, uh, Hard to determine in Edmonton and Chicago. You know this this game three tonight. I mean, life is life's not great when you got to be up for six o'clock in the morning to go to work. I'm gonna try and watch it, but I can't guarantee I'm gonna see all of it. This game three is really gonna determine what happens. Um, I do think it's gonna be another offensive onslaught, but I don't know whose way it's gonna go. I think with McDavid having the game he did the other night, he needs to build on that momentum because if he doesn't, remember you still have Taves and Kane. They're still in their prime. They're still good players, and if McDavid is quieted and Drysdale is quiet, they're going to jump right on that and take that game over. The guys didn't win three Stanley Cups for no reason, you know. Yeah, I completely agree. And what about the Arizona Nashville uh, matchup? Um, like I was mentioning before, that's kind of a roller coaster. I think that's going five, and I really don't know. I know you have Arizona up four to one now. Um, they do have the momentum, but there's one thing I've learned about this series that whoever has the momentum in one game loses it the next game. I mean, today was a little bit different because it was a four-one in Arizona dominated. But I mean, I don't, I it's that one's a little hard. That one's a little hard to determine too. I think that if Arizona's top dogs show up, if Taylor Hall and Phil Kessel show up, I think they can eliminate Nashville. But remember, Nashville's good on the back end too. If they come out and they shut those guys down, I can easily see them taking this too. This is another one. It's kind of too close to call. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, for my predictions. I'm going to stick with my prediction personally of Minnesota. I think they're going to pull it out in four or five. They've got a, a very, an older lineup, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. But, you know, it's one of those lineups that has playoff experience. You have players on that team that have reached a Stanley Cup, for instance, a guy like Zach Parisi in 2012. You know, so I don't count out Minnesota just yet, and it's not necessarily a knock on Vancouver. They're just one year away from really being dominant in the playoffs. It's one of those things with even 
talking about the Rangers from before, it's nothing to hang their heads on if they lose in this matchup because they're going to be just as strong, if not stronger, next year. Um, Chicago and Edmonton, I'm going to take Edmonton in this one because, you know, really good scoring can sometimes be a good defense. And with McDavid and Dreisaitl, you can't sleep on those two. And they've been dominant all year, you know, racking up between the two of them almost 200 points. Uh, Arizona and Nashville, I'll agree. It's a roller coaster right now. It could go either way. It's going to go to five games. The Devils fan in me wants to see Arizona move on just to, you know, eliminate any future fears of them winning the number one overall pick. Um, I'm going to stick with Arizona in five on this one. I think they've got a potent offense. I think they're doing really well. And unfortunately for Nashville, I think that window for them is closing quickly. They're going to need to figure some things out after this year. And then finally, Calgary and Winnipeg, probably the most exciting matchup on the docket. I agree. Calgary is probably about to run away with this. They've knocked out Mark Shifley. They've knocked out Patrick Laine, two of their top scorers. But that's not to sleep on Winnipeg. They've got some good scoring. They've got Nikolai Ehlers. They've got Blake Wheeler. They've got guys that can score for them. So it's not necessarily ready to sleep on Winnipeg just yet. But Calgary looks like they could be taking this series either in four or five. But with all that said, we'd love to hear your predictions. Uh, We would love to hear from you guys in the comments section on I-80 Sports. Please follow us on Facebook. Please follow the podcast. Please follow the hockey page, baseball, MLS, college football, and the NFL. And Tom, thank you so much for joining me today and providing your insight. I've been Brian, and thank you for watching I-80 Sports. Thanks for watching.